your name came up uh, as we were recording our last podcast. Uh, Shauna had lovely, many lovely things to say about you, as we all do. But Aww. we were ta- we started talking about gardens, and she said she was so inspired by your garden talk and by you. And oh, okay, I just like any excuse to bring Ashton back for you know for so many reasons. So. Welcome to the Mac DevOps YVR podcast. This podcast is about the Mac DevOps YVR conference in beautiful Vancouver, British Columbia. We interview guests and discuss topics around managing Macs using open source software products inspired by DevOps. Our goal is to encourage developers and IT to work together to solve problems for our community. For more information, see our website, mdoyvr.com. This is the Mac DevOps podcast. Welcome to the Mac DevOps Podcast. Today, I'm joined by my amazingly beautiful, bright and sunny co-host, JD. How's it going, JD? I'm shining bright over here, Matt. I'm shining bright. <laughs> and today's lovely guest, gardener extraordinaire, parent, graphic recording superstar, and amazing, awesome person, Ashton. How are you, Ashton? Woohoo! Thank you for having me. Such a pleasure, as always, to hang out with the two of you. Likewise. Ditto. I wrote a whole outline for this podcast, which I'm just going to deviate from immediately, but... <laughs> so I was just trying to read it while you're doing this beautiful intro, and I'm like, oh, God. Uh, yeah. Um, no, no. Don't spit up your Matt can't stick to scripts to save his life. It's... <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I was um, discussing the whole garden concept with my amazing, lovely wife, Nellie, who has been just hanging out in the garden and uh, using that as her pandemic refuge and uh, accidentally growing food. You know, we just, um, and we, we, we talked about gardens because gardens, you know, it's fall right now. It's like, we're putting things to rest. We're taking stock of things. We're planning for the next year. I mean, these can be metaphors for DevOps, for our lives, for everything. What we're doing is like fall. Sometimes it's harvest season. Yeah. It's uh, you know, this, these are, live things that we're dealing with these gardens um but uh yeah i just uh i wanted to talk to you about gardens uh shauna shared some of her thoughts about what she was working on um in her you know in her spare time (laughs) you know with some tomatoes and different things and how has your garden summer been and how is your fall going yeah thanks thanks again for having me but um i i did not grow up gardening it's something that i started diving into when we moved into this home, which was an old farm with a barn and fields and everything. And I just started very slowly, but it's in my personality when I want to do something, I want to do it really well and be very successful. And gardening puts you in your place with that because anything could happen. Uh, You know, there's so many different factors into play. Some years have been better than others, and like I kind of didn't do a ton certain years when I had babies because I had two spring babies, and so you know, starting seeds inside and doing all that was a bit more challenging. So I feel like this is the first year that I've really been able to focus a little bit more on like the preparation, and we built some new raised beds last fall so that it was completely ready to go this spring. And one of the biggest things that I learned through my gardening process this year 
was how long it takes to get things established for the roots to really take hold. And I was getting really impatient and worried because with tomatoes in particular, which I really like, I don't care if anything else doesn't grow. I really want my tomatoes to grow. And I was getting really worried because I had started them off from seed and they were like so beautiful and healthy. And I put them in the ground and for literally weeks, it didn't look like they were going to make it. And I was so frustrated. And then all of a sudden I went out one day and one of them was just like three times the size. And I was like, what's happening? Like, it just felt like an overnight. So we want to dive into a metaphor right away. We could certainly talk about this idea of like, you can't see the roots establishing, like they're there, but you don't know. And some of them won't make it. And that's okay too. But you don't really know the fruits of your labor while you're in it. You know what I mean? And that could take a long time. Like they were literally there for weeks before they like actually looked like they were going to make like windstorms, rainstorms came and went and they still just were these little tiny plants hanging on for dear life, looking half dead. And, um, those roots got established and then they just like exploded and went crazy. So I really only had a couple of plants that actually did very, very well. And I'm still like, I wish I, I wish my scale was working, but my guess is I've probably harvested about 60 pounds of tomatoes wow. so far, so far. Yeah. That's a lot it's, of salsa. And I only grow paste tomatoes. I don't grow sliced or anything because I like, there's more, um, you can do so many things with it. So tomato soup, so good. Pasta sauce. I made ketchup one year. It was so awesome. You know what I mean? So you can make so many different things with it. Um, like I would just like, I have this like processor that you just take your tomatoes, you blanch them for a second, which means you just put them in hot water for like a minute or so until you kind of see the skin starting to peel. And then you put it through this crank and all the beautiful tomato goodness comes out one side and all the seeds and skin come out the other. So you're just left with this like beautiful tomato-ness. And tomato, paste tomatoes are best for that because there's not as much water. Like you have, you're going to get more of the goodness than the water and stuff like that. So like where sliced tomatoes, they're just like, they're more juicy than like dense, if that makes sense. So yeah, so that's, that's my whole thing about my tomatoes. But I, I don't know how much I'm going to end up. I made, I quadrupled a batch of tomato soup last week. And then I made a batch of pasta sauce on the weekend and um, we had some, and then I put some, like, three containers of it in the freezer. Um, but I still have a wicked amount of tomatoes to process. So, so we'll see. We'll see how the next couple of weeks go. But the great thing is, like, it's not like a banana, and it's just, like, in a couple of days, it's not going to be any good. Like, they take quite a while. So I harvested most of them when they were green because I was just so paranoid that a hungry little deer was going to come and, like, take my tomatoes at the very last second. So I actually harvested most of them before they even turned red at all. And I've just been patient. I've had them in my porch in boxes. And I like went through it yesterday and I picked out all the ones that were pretty much ripe, put them in their own box so that I can do something with them on the weekend. So anyways, that's my, that's my tomato story. I love it. That's awesome. 
Yeah, we uh, harvested a lot of tomatoes too. Not that much, uh, but a lot of different kinds. We grow lots of different little ones and like one or two, three plants, you know, not very many, but like little tiny, you know, we did these bumblebee tomatoes, like different colors and um, yeah. And uh, I think at one point uh, our resident uh, littlest chef uh, decided she was going to make tomato sauce. And she found a recipe that seemed to take two or three hours and uh, it caused some kind of existential crisis through the middle of it. Uh, and I was like, we need an easier recipe <laughs> to make sauce than that one. You know, yeah, maybe. there's like a little patience factor. Like I boiled my sauce for eight hours to get yeah. it to that consistency. And that's with paste tomatoes too, right? Yeah. So it does take... Yeah. Depending on how thick and stuff you want it, but yeah, yeah. The, the blanching was fine. But then the, there was a step of okay, now delicately take the skin off the tomatoes, and that's when uh, we had some kind of uh, yeah, little crisis. <laughs> that was just yeah. too much. It was way too difficult. That machine that you talked about—that sounds great. And yeah, do they have Lee Valley where you are on your side of Canada? Yeah, I got it through Lee Valley. We got this one apple core, and we sometimes have this thing about not getting one one tool that only does one job. But this one does yeah. it really well. We have an apple tree in like the cranker thing, and it spins. Yeah, I got one of those too. Yeah. Now our, our uh, daughter uh, can basically process an apple the night before, put it in the dehydrator, and have like fresh yeah. snacks that she's made the day before for school the next day. And that just feels awesome when you can core it and put it on the dehydrator and make your own yeah. fresh apple snacks and. Yeah, I, I, I'm really, I can't say that I'm a minimalist because I don't really really truly like I am, but I strive to be one. So I'm very careful about what I bring into the home that's going to take up space. I can say to a T that those two contraptions are worth keeping in the home in terms of like contraptions. Like there's so many like awesome things out there that can make your life easier, but I'm certainly picky about how much I bring into my life and that will take up space. But I am so grateful for my investment. I don't even think it was very much um, to this tomato processing thing. It was, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Nice. So invest in your tools, plant deep roots. There you go. Be, be, be patient. Metaphors. Be I, like, patient. I, like, I like the waiting. Uh, yeah. We, we've just started doing some of the stuff by seed. And when, when Nellie will be like, I grew this from seed. And I'm like, what? You're blowing my mind. And then she'll be a point something else. I grew that from seed. Like, no. It's like, how did you do that? That's amazing. Like, it's so amazing. I spend a lot of time in the garden just staring at this uh, uh, in the summer, uh, staring at the garden, staring at the bees. We plant like some flowers around the bees. And some of the vegetables have their own flowers, like the strawberry plants. But, you know. Just watching the bees, it just, uh, you know, I had that uh, appendix surgery this summer, but just being sitting in the garden and just watching the bees, it was just, it was amazing. I I miss those days of summer. <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> and it's, it's we're like super apple-y over here. Like we're in about an hour drive from us is just like Orchard City. It's just, and I, for, there's something about being in an, in an apple orchard. It's like one of my favorite places in the world. There's this one farm in particular that I've gone to um, since I was a teenager. And there's just something about being in an orchard that's just like really magical. I don't know what it is, but I just love an excuse. And as soon as the orchards are open, I'm like there on opening weekend or the weekend after because I just love the feeling of being in an orchard just surrounded by these trees just like hanging with apples. There's just something about it. I don't know if there's like a metaphor in there for that, but 
there's something about being in an orchard that's just so amazing to me. We have a lot of apple orchards around here being in Washington State, being famous or something for apples. And there's nothing that beats a, a fresh apple off the tree. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like, there's like a, in the community that I like, like I like to go to, there's pears as well and plums, which is really fun. But there's just something about the apple that I really love. And there's like a farm that we'll go to and they do like wagon rides and talk about the orchard. And there's like sunflowers uh, fields where you can go and cut your own sunflowers and stuff like that too. It's just pretty awesome. There's just something about like that fall harvest season of like kind of reaping the rewards. And then also I was just thinking about it too. This There's like gardening in general is this whole um, trial and error process. Right. Like there's things that I've grown and I'll never grow again because I didn't enjoy it. Um, <laughs> we grew quinoa. We grew quinoa once. Oh, my gosh. That must have been painful. It looked like wheat. But then you had the world's tiniest quinoa mill. You're just like getting the quinoa. Yeah. And that's when you need whatever sort of contraption you would need to like then try to harvest all that. Like I'll probably never try to go grow corn again. I don't know what it is, but I have a really hard time growing corn. It's like if you don't get it in at the right time and it doesn't take, like you've completely lost your opportunity. I find it's, for me, it's like the most susceptible to little critters getting in there and then you open it and it's like full of critters. You're like, no. I grow corn strictly to use it to, as, a, as a trellis for green beans. <laughs> so I, don't, I don't even care. We, we don't have the season to have corn grow here, but it grows tall enough that my green beans grow on it. So that's what I do. We got a mystery mystery vegetable from one of our neighbors. We've been starting to do like some exchanges like, oh, we'll take some of your things. We took some green beans from one neighbor and took some other, you know, and then one neighbor gave us a mystery melon and we weren't sure what it was going to be. And it just started growing and like climbing and we had to like build things for it to climb. <laughs> you just don't know where things are going to go. Uh, did you try any new things in the garden this year, Ashton? The hard question answer. I did. I did start to try i i did pick up some green pepper plants from a local nursery but the deer came and ate them all so i didn't even get to see any fruit like i i literally like within the week i think it, they were gone so that that didn't work oh yes i did try something new this year um pickling cucumbers oh yeah pickling i i think i made 20 jars of pickles in the last two weeks or maybe three weeks. So that has been a completely new experience. And I don't even like pickles. I don't even like them myself. But my husband and people in my family do. So I was like, ah. And so if they don't turn out, I'm also okay with it. But the whole, I don't do a ton of pickling. I, I mostly freeze stuff. And then I'm like, no, that it's fine. Because I have a deep freezer. And it's like, it's not such a big deal. I was a little worried about the pickling process. But they have to sit for a couple of weeks, so in a couple more weeks, we'll we'll know if they turn it okay. And uh, I just made dill because I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. So I just got a recipe from. Um, it was it's kind of it was kind of like this interesting um, process for our family too because my husband's mother passed away last year. The beginning, like the within the first few weeks of COVID, that was something that she was really well known for was her pickles, her dill pickles. And last summer, they had a pickle party and made a bunch, but I couldn't attend. And um, anyways, then they didn't have one this summer. So it's sort of like this like 
trying to live this like pickle tradition on. I know it's never going to be as good as the ones that his mom made, but just there's like a sentimental thing there as well. So I do hope they turn out. But yeah, so I I planted two packages of, uh, I try to buy all local seeds from like organic growers. And I bought two packages from a grower. They turned out pretty good. They were, they were another thing that were really took forever to, um, I grew them from seed in the ground. I didn't, I didn't start them inside and they were very slow in the beginning. Yeah. All of a sudden one day I went out and they were just like full of these pickling cucumbers. So yeah. So some of them were small enough as like baby dills, but I ended up cutting quite a few of them kind of for spears. So I kind of have like a mix of both, but that was a really fun experience to try that out this year too. Cause I'd never grown. I'm not, I find cucumbers hard to grow in general for some reason, or, or like we never end up eating all of them. It seems like a waste. So I don't, Typically, I'm usually like plant like maybe two plants of cucumbers because I just find they just kind of like zucchini. They just kind of go out of control. Yeah, the pickling cucumbers have been really fun this year. Yeah. I just want to say nothing wrong with zucchini out of control. That sounds like a party. <laughs> zucchini party. There, there are some areas in the world where you have to keep your, your doors locked so you don't accidentally get zucchini left inside your house. Or inside <laughs> exactly. Your well, I'm glad that crosses the border because, yeah, we, we certainly have that issue here, too. People are just, like, I never grow zucchini because I just end up inheriting some from somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we, we might have to start growing green beans because that's what our, uh, my wife's gram- grandmother used to always grow for us. And that was her thing. Of, you know, this, is, this is something that's going to keep you alive, eat these green beans. But now she's not growing anymore. But she's in the hospital. But uh, she's, you know, she's, or she's, she's uh, not in, in, in charge of her garden. So we got to, like, grow the green beans to keep that family thing, you know. And, uh, yeah, it's really important. And, um, and I think uh, gardening hopefully teaches us some patience and uh, – uh, when our, we have to wait for our roots and if uh, some deer come nibbling on your career, then you have to uh, mixing the metaphors here. Build a deer yeah, fence around your, your metaphor. And, <laughs> deer uh, fence. Put deer fencing your, around your projects. Or yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Try innovative solutions right. to a problem, right? So my innovative solution that I, I stole from someone else, but it was still kind of a cool idea, was you take ivory soap and you put it in cheesecloth and you hang it on a stick around your plants and like we are deer central around here like you see the prints everywhere but they leave my garden alone and that's the only thing I do so I don't actually have any fencing but I didn't put the soap up when I planted the green peppers so that was my fault because I I hadn't gotten to the store to to buy some more ivory soap so Anyways, it uh, that's my innovative solution to a interesting problem. Back to these pickles. Is this a vinegar <laughs> pickle, or are yes. you fermenting them? No vinegar. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I haven't delved into any of the fermenting world. I don't know hardly anything about that. So I have a friend who wrote a book about it. So I feel like I should know. JD will tell you all about it. I, okay. yeah, I, we, we do we do a lot of fermenting and a lot of kimchi and and fun things like that. So but, uh, I have I have actually not sauerkraut. Uh, I've done sauerkraut uh, as well, which is kind of a similar similar vein, just less spicy. We we like spice, so it's like oh okay. we could we could make this kimchi or or we can make this kimchi. We'll make it spicy. Okay. Um, 
that I've not fermented pickles. I've I keep looking at it and I I have not actually ventured that way. I still do the the vinegar pickle. We do a lot of refrigerator vinegar type pickles, pickling of all the things. Radishes are also delicious and easy to grow. That's awesome. What inspiring message can we pull from our lovely guests here? JD has become the king of kimchi. Ashton has learned patience and is enjoying her garden. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And keeping deer away. A good career. Creative creative Sophie solutions. Yes. We need innovative tech solutions and patience, and we become all better people. We're still waiting for us ourselves to become better people, but one day... We are patient. Um, Someday, Matt. Someday you'll get there. <laughs> what do you want to... What's another one? Trial and error. Mm, definitely. Well, and there's always the next season to try again and try something new, right? So I, mm-hmm. I, I love all the rich metaphors here. The, the comments on this podcast will be interesting. <laughs> For me, too. I, this is the first year where I did a lot of planning ahead of time. And I found that very helpful. And now that I did the planning, because things need to be spaced properly, right? So when you plant a tomato plant, you need to give it space for the next tomato plant. And when you plant it, you think that's a lot of space in between. It feels like I'm wasting space. But you have to trust the wisdom that came before you to say, no, 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 you need to give it like two and a half feet at least in between each plant, or it's not going to, it's just like they're going to get all intermingled and and uh, not do well. So, I learned a lot in this year from the planning part and how I would space things a little bit differently next year. There was one bed that I had way too much stuff in it and it just like I it's basically all cilantro at this point, which has all gone to flower and I can't do anything with it. Mm-hmm. You're going to get even more if you let it go to seed. <laughs> I know. I need to I need to do something about it. And I also had one of my pickling cucumbers in, in that in that bed. So then they just all kind of got intermingled and stuff and, and so on maybe another lesson something around planning and learning from that for the next time and then also when I put up like a trellis for the pickling cucumbers, it wasn't very strong, and it's just like flopping over. So the the planning that the maybe poorish planning, I didn't realize how heavy those plants were going to be. So I would have a beefier structure for those pickling cucumbers next year because I I think I would really like to plant those again. I'd like to do that again. I think so. Yeah. So I, I would I would structure it better next time. I learned that that lesson for sure. I'm really looking forward to listening to this podcast next spring. <laughs> like in March, April, I'll be like, oh, yeah, I need to do that. This is like my um, retrospective for me. So thank you for that. In the meantime, Matt's zoning out because you're talking about planning, structure, all the things that he hates to do. <laughs> He's a visionary. He needs to hold the space for the vision, the grand vision. He's I the know. one already planning or making the recipes for the food right. at the end, and not to like get the food in the beginning. He's like, no, I want that end result. I'm more about trying to get the guest list together to invite people <laughs> over for uh, a food fest. Go. You know, yeah. Mac, De- Mac DevOps was invented so I could get people together and we can eat these brownies that I ordered together. So, you know, it's like it was all about how to solve a catering problem and a community building problem. 
But uh, on the last one about the being inspired by gardens, I, uh, I've been doing a lot of old man walks because of my recovery from surgery and just walking around the neighborhood. But one of the things me and Nelly love to do is just look at other people's gardens. There's some amazing, amazing gardens. People that are like, you think that they grow so much in their garden, they, should, they could be selling so much. But just watching how they build structures, what, you know, oh, they put this part of their garden away, or they're building this new thing, or they got this covered, what are they doing, you know, <laughs> you know it's like, just learning from other people. And, and, you know, I'm not going to stretch too far for the uh, metaphor, but we learn from our community, and we learn from other people and watching what people are doing and seeing and being inspired by them. And uh, yeah, I, I love awesome. that. Yeah, no, I love that too, for sure. And that's that's definitely part of the process too of of putting a project to bed too, knowing when it's time to shut that down and move on and and get things ready for the next project. So look at all these metaphors. So yeah, let's let's wrap up this podcast with some actual news. Um, I don't I don't have anything planned to say, but yes, <laughs> I, I, you've been doing some amazing graphic recording, Ashton, and being super busy. This week was very busy. So I'm, I'm grateful for this opportunity to decompress from that. Nice, nice. So being remote is still working for everybody, more or less? Yeah, I'm certainly curious to see what's going to happen next year. Uh, but I would love to stay as virtual as possible moving forward. I invested in a, in a bigger screen that to draw on, which I'm really, really loving instead of hunching over the, my small one. So um, that's that's been really lovely. I've had this set up for just over a week, I guess, at this point. Still fairly new for me. I, I'm kind of interested to see for myself how other opportunities are going to emerge. There's things that I am looking into providing beyond kind of taking my learnings as, as this like kind of professional listener and, and visual communicator and what other things I can offer to people with all this like immense knowledge that I feel like I have at this point from hearing all these different speakers and everything like that. So anyways, I have some collaborations in the works, so maybe that will be all to be revealed soon of, you know, depending on how, how those things work out. So one thing I've recently realized, because I have quite a bit of community development creativity, uh, volunteer work that I have done in the last 10 years, in particular in my community. But I've always kept my volunteer work and my professional work very separate because I didn't know how to blend them together. But I just re recently realized while I was reading a book called The Creative Class um, by Richard Florida, that creativity is the umbrella that is like where my heart really is. So I think next year I'm going to be looking into more opportunities to talk about creativity as as a whole and not necessarily like, you know, in visual communication, visual language and how we listen and how we communicate with each other using creativity, I think is something that I'm going to be looking for, looking into a little bit more of how can I, yeah, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's like speaking stuff. I don't know what it is yet, but I'm going to spend some time in December, I'm hoping, to kind of dive into what that might look for me next year in terms of talking about how can we support people in creative processes in the workplaces to create better work? How can we infuse creativity and support that just as like a whole, right? Because if we have workplaces and home lives where 
creativity is supported, then there's just so much, you know, data around the benefits of that. So I think there's something that I'm going to tap into around that kind of the world more so of like this sort of like greater vision of creativity, which really kind of held space for me my whole life. But I've just recently realized that that's the like kind of overarching theme of my life, basically. And how can I hold space for that and encourage other people to tap into their own creativity? What does that look like for them? So, so we'll see what happens. I can certainly keep everybody updated on that. But that's sort of like where I'm coming into some new realizations. And I've told a couple of people in my life about this. And they're like, well, of course, of course, that's you. How did you not know that? And I'm like, yeah, I, I guess I just had to come, uh, just sort of happen upon it while I was reading this book. So anyways, that's my, thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, we love you, Ashton. You're amazing. You've contributed so much to Mac DevOps and to the community at large. Everywhere where you go, you bring happiness and joy and clarification and better comprehension of topics. It's amazing what you do. Thank you. I just came on here for the ego stuff, so thank you for that. <laughs> My head, if you could see, is just swelling. It's just getting bigger and bigger. Yeah. I mean, I still didn't know what I was getting into when I said yes for you to come to the Mac DevOps, but I'm so happy that I did because you are amazing. Uh, thank you. I No, I'm always like so grateful when people choose to work with me and they're like, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm sure it will be fine. <laughs> yeah, so grateful for that trust. I mean, back to your, your, your topic, we'll keep it really short. I did study philosophy, but my question would be like, what is creativity, you know, and the, taking chances on cool ideas and cool ways of expressing things that you may not have seen. But one thing that I wanted to dispel, I mean, with some people, like my brother went to art school, you know, and it's a lot of hard work, art school, art, creativity, you know, this produ media production, whether it's video or drawing artists, like, so telling people, you know, and that you know some people are maybe afraid of being creative or afraid of the arts or afraid of those kind of fields but it's all hard work you just get in there and you start working hard <laughs> and whether it's media production or graphic recording or tech you got to work hard and um, but you you need to keep your eyes open for things that you enjoy doing and like you were saying about your career and you're like what do i like doing what am i good at or where what brings me joy when i'm doing it and yeah you gotta put the time in that's my speech Kids, yeah. kids today, you need to work hard. <laughs> oh, I just think there's just so many differences between art and creativity. And I've always just been a proponent for creativity over art. Yeah, we, we could talk about that in a whole other episode oh, sometime. Once I've awesome. dived into my, my was it mind palace of what this means for me and my own philosophy around it, because I know I have one, I just need to articulate it. But yeah, it's just so... Like when I create the art festival in my community, which I started nine years ago, it was about elevating um, the artists in the community because I felt like you can't support, appreciate your local art community if you don't see and experience it for yourself. And being introduced to new ideas of what art is just expands creativity as a whole because you're like, oh, I didn't know that was like an art form. Um, so I, I typically talk about creativity and I, whenever I would talk about the festival, even though it was labeled as an art festival, I always use the word creativity because that's really like the foundation of everything. So and creativity doesn't have to include art at all. Right. So anyways, I'll stop there for now, but I'll listen back to this when I'm going through my, uh, 
my deep dive in December. I hope so too as well. So very closely related to this, I noticed that Emily Freeman, editing Emily on Twitter, uh, our DevOps superstar, uh, published a new model for DevOps, and I just love. It's a circle, it's colorful, and it has like, you know, observability, securability, scalability, and it just- Oh, that's awesome, just, I haven't seen that yet. I'll have to a, look at it. A reimagining and a, a very awesomely visually pleasing reimagining. And this is where creativity comes in all communities in your community. Just don't be afraid to put out your thoughts, feelings in a way of reimagining or recomposing some ideas. And uh, we need to, to boost up all these awesome people, but everybody can, jump in and explore that inner creativity, explore uh, your domain uh, where you are and um, contribute and yeah, join us. Because well, everything's emergent, is it not? Like nothing's ever fixed. So everything, yeah, everything's just always going to be constantly emerging and changing. So, you know, and if you have space to be creative in that process, then it's just going to increase everything, all the benefits all around for everybody. So no, I love that. Ashton. Super awesome to have you. Uh, thanks. Can't wait to see what we're planning because I don't know yet for Mac DevOps 2022. And wait, planning? Oh, oh, we do a lot of planning, JD. I know. Um, I'm kidding. <laughs> but uh, yes, uh, stay home, stay safe, stay healthy, and uh, stay tuned. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Thanks, Ashton. Thank you. Thanks, thanks JD. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> The Mac DevOps YVR conference and podcast is looking for sponsors. Support and encourage developers in IT to work together to solve problems for our community by sponsoring Mac DevOps. If you're interested in sponsoring the Mac DevOps YVR conference and podcast, send an email to hello at mdoyvr.com. Thank you to our awesome Mac DevOps sponsors. For the 2021 Mac DevOps conference, we would like to thank Mac Stadium, our platinum sponsor. We're also grateful for Mac Stadium's sponsorship of our hack night. Thank you, Mac Stadium. Visit them at macstadium.com. Our gold sponsor is Flow Swiss AG with their Mac Bare Metal instance. Thank you, Flow Swiss AG. Visit them at flow.swiss/mac-bare-metal. Thank you to our silver sponsor, Simple MDM. Visit them at simplemdm.com. Thank you to our bronze sponsor, Teradici. Visit them at teradici.com. Our live feed is sponsored by Fleet DM. Visit them at fleetdm.com. And this year, our MDM panel is sponsored by Adagy. Visit them at adagy.com. Please take a moment to visit all of our sponsors. We could not hold Mac DevOps YVR without the support of our sponsors. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us today for the Mac DevOps podcast. Thank you to our guests, and thank you to our co-hosts. Today's episode was edited by J.D. Strong. Please like and share this podcast on your favorite podcast service. Well, you spend you spend your whole life telling people that you're important, that they need you to do everything, and then you spend your rest of your life feeling phone calls because you've told them that you're important, right? right. So, I, I, like I refuse to take phone calls. <laughs> you won't hear me saying this too often, JD, but you're a better man than I am.